Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. It's exactly 2pm and it's Monday the 24th of July 2023. And the show starts now. been thinking about how to build up the show and I think I'm going to put some clips of interviews with uh, old rock people into this show starting with Steve Vai and David Coverdale and then we'll build it up from there. That was very intense very very intense young man. How old were you around this time like a teenager? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Intense not in a expressive way in the out side world so much hmm. but um kind of things came to a head for me when i was when i was touring with frank zappa and i was on tour with him and i was in montreal in hmm. uh, 1980 and uh i just had like a complete uh sort of i didn't know what it was it was like a breakdown or something anxiety attack wow. that it lasted a year and a half, you know, I mean, it was panic and I, it was all fear, you know, and there's a fear that was in the background that just overcame me. It kept bubbling up. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't nothing. Um, so that, uh, I think it was, a, a, I harbored a fear of going insane when I was younger. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. There's a term I, for that actually. Yeah, um, it, it's escaping me at the moment, but that's actually a diagnosable uh, sort of uh, symptom of anxiety, being afraid of going insane. Yeah, because I thought, you know, you, you when you're in your own head and you have thoughts that you don't know why they're there, you start thinking there's something wrong with me, you know. And then right. what happens is um, you it, it just gets compounded. It's a form of ignorance. It's just fear. It, it's just a, a form of fear that compounds itself. And I think one of the things was I loved music. I loved the idea of, you know, playing music and all, but I was under the impression that if you became famous, you would go insane. Mm. <laughs> and it was, which is a pretty I, common idea. Not uncommon. Yeah. yeah. It, it was something my aunt had said when I was a little boy, you know, and mm. when you're young and you hear stuff like that, you go, oh, okay, now I get it. I don't ever want to, <laughs> famous, you know, I mean, she even said like, oh, you go to New York city and it's, it's nothing but a rat race, you know, for my childhood. I thought if I went to New York city, I would see rats racing. <laughs> Which way yeah. might not be far off, but no. Not far off, right? <laughs> so what happened was uh, I became really uh, fragile and uh, mm. it was the best thing that happened to me because, you know, depression is, um, uh, it's like trial by fire, you know, uh, and you don't know when you're going through it, it's inexplicable. I'm talking about deep kind of depression, not like feeling my blue. Dog, my dog died. So I'm depressed. You know, yeah. nobody loves me. So I'm depressed. No, I'm not talking about that. You know, that's, uh, you know, there's a, that's more like being bummed out. <laughs> yes. Depression is something very different. And I experienced it when I was that young man for a while and it's devastating. Um, but it was valuable because 
Your greatest spiritual teacher is your own suffering. Mm. There's no doubt about that. So because wow. that suffering drove me into finding the answers for myself. And it started with uh, the discovery of one book that started to resonate, answer questions and another. And then I just let and then, you know, took a path for a little while about, on this and got something out of it and then led me to something else. And I found my footing and I found my I found my freedom and my happiness. Hmm. I really did. Through I, that knowledge. Yeah. Yes. Th through the study of spirituality, which is the only study worth anything. You know, I, I mean, um, of course, many studies are worth a lot, you know. Yeah, sure. But the study of spirituality is the study of the self. Yeah. And if you don't know yourself, everything else is moot. And when I say know yourself, I'm not referring to your name, what you do in life, the thing, the, you know, uh, I am this and I am that. And mm. that's not knowing yourself. That's not knowing. That's knowing your ego. Right. Okay, this character that we've assigned ourselves. The character we've assigned, the little voice in the head <laughs> that's constantly commentating and judging things in the world and criticizing them, that is the ego. It's hmm. not who you really are. This is a very important distinction to make, uh, but people believe it's who they are. They believe that the little voice in the head that's speaking to them all day is who they are. Right. And this is a lie. Yeah, okay. it's not. And any trouble that you see in the world is a result of that. So you feel like you learned a lot of this through what you went through on that first Zappa tour. drove me into the realization of this. At that time, were you because you said that you were very introverted. Were you able to talk to anybody at that time or were you going through it all on your own? Yeah, yeah I didn't have anybody to talk to. I started to discover things in books that uh, resonated with me and they, they give you that aha moment, which was good because I was on the verge of suicide. Really? And, uh, yeah. And, um, but that was, I, I, I never went, I've never gone back there. Trust me. That's, that's good. Those, those ideas, those thoughts, you know, but that, it can happen and it can go away forever. It can be a one-time thing. Yeah. For me, it was. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I don't get, you know, disappointed or bummed out at times, you know, but sure. I know in the background, none of that matters. Nothing, nothing that happens here can possibly really matter. It doesn't really matter. You know, this, the, the, I see the world as um, an opportunity to co-create with my fellow human beings and expand consciousness and expand things. And that's actually what we're doing.
back, everybody. It is Eddie Trunk, and this is Trunk Nation, where we talk rock every day with you live on Sirius XM Channel 103 Faction Talk and, of course, on the Sirius XM app. It is wonderful to be joined by an old friend who I have not spoken to or seen in far too long, looking and sounding fantastic as usual, <laughs> the one and only Mr. David Coverdell of Whitesnake. DC, good to see you. We're doing this on Zoom, so I get to see you in your wonderful new haircut. And good to speak oh, to you yes. again. <laughs> yeah, Silver Snake, mate. Gray Snake. Embrace the gray. Nice to see you, Sir Edward. Charming. It I, has been a long time. It has been a very long time. One of the few people been. I genuinely miss. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you. So I guess before we talk about Good to Be Bad in this reissue, which I have right here, which we'll talk you about. You sexy this... guy. You sexy, sexy guy. <laughs> On Zoom, I'm showing what? everybody. I, I, yeah, yeah, I have one too, yeah. Fantastic box set. Um, let's let's go back if we can for a second. So White Snake, uh, many fans have called in and asked what the status of the band yeah. is. Given that you went to Europe, you were doing what you were billing as a farewell tour. Stuff yes. didn't go well. You got some uh, you and members of the band various ailments, and you had to shut it down. Um, yeah. Talk about how frustrating that must have been, David, and what is the future if there is one for you in the band? Well, uh, yes, it was devastating. Uh, it's uh, one of my favorite chapters. Um, the guys we brought in, uh, Tanya O'Callaghan, uh, she came on and just electrified the whole stage. It was amazing. It was an on immediate base. hit with the fans of the band. Yeah. Uh, and Dino Jelusic, uh, pride of Croatia, incredible singer, fantastic musician. So I really achieved what I was always dreamed of, this White Snake Orchestra. Um, and beautiful, no drunken sailors, all great voices, you know. But one of the most exciting things, I think, at the moment is we're all getting uh, the Hook City Hooligans. We're all getting ready to mix the Farewell Tour, the DVD. So that's really exciting. It was heartbreaking beyond to pull out. Uh, <laughs> that sounds awful. Yes, I've been there. I'm sure you have. Who, the, who wants the Catholic method? I swear to God. But yeah, it was a toughie. Um, uh, to come home uh, unfulfilled was really heartbreaking. Uh, that infection that I had wasn't cleared until January 2023. As mind-blowing as I imagined. And even in there, there was a little bit of gunk left in the, as to quote my ENT in the larynx, um, which I'm just using nasal sprays now. But then I had to deal with the other issue that had happened on tour, which I tore my right rotator cuff. So I've got a couple of months of uh, physical therapy to try to avoid. So basically, I said to the guys and the gal, uh, please do, you know, what you have to. Rev, of course, has got Kip and the winger. Uh, Joel's just Mr. Workaholic. I'm seeing him soon. Uh, I look forward to it. I think Tommy's doing clinics. Tanya's working with our old friend, Bruce Dickinson. Um, and of course, uh, Michele Lupe is working with his band uh, around Europe, you know. So we're in touch pretty much every day, to be honest, on the White Snake thread. Um, but I can't really make any promises to them uh, until I get fixed, you know. And the older you get, the more it takes the longer it takes to actually heal and that's a that's a big deal but we're staying way busy as people will be discovering because it's a very special year 20th anniversary of red beach being with us 
um, uh, the 30th anniversary of Coverdale Page, the 50th anniversary of uh, my being blessed with a job with Deep Purple. It's just, you know, and, and my own anniversary too, that we just celebrated, Cindy and I. So it's uh, a very full uh, life. To be able to tell people we're touring next year, I would love to. I keep getting invitations to Japan, but I really physically have to be well. Emotionally, technically, I can go out and do it. Physically is the question, you know. And and to watch people getting sick wasn't fun. You know, it, it was tough out there. Very tough. And it's expensive to be on the road and have to shut it down and send everybody home or cancel shows. We know that that's difficult and uh, it, it's not. Well, it happened. It happened. I mean, our mutual friend, Steve Vai, once a snake, always a snake. He jammed with us at Hellfest and then boom. It just went downhill from there. I was stuck in Milan for 10 days and, and just not getting any better. So we, we had to cancel Milan and then we had to cancel Vienna. And it was just costing so much money to be out there and no recovery in sight. And I literally flew home July the 4th. And, uh, and, and it took all that time to actually, and an assortment of the worst antibiotics I think I've, I've ever had to take coupled with prednisone, which I don't recommend to anyone. That's big fat face stuff, you know, right, uh, steroids. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was very challenging uh, on, on in every way, shape and form for a long time. David, is there a side to you that would like to put a button on it in a better way? Or, or if this yeah. was, if you just basically became the custodian of the catalog and we're going to talk about the latest reissues, are you kind of cool with that if that's the way it kind of transitions? Or is there a side of you as a guy who's been this phenomenal performer and singer for so many decades that you would like to put a proper button, whether it's a proper oh, yeah. farewell show or tour? Would you like to do that? Well, really, Edward, yes, of course. Uh, there were two choices. One, to be able to go out. So I went out with people I adore, which included the, the, the White Snake crew, which were just warriors beyond. Um, Japan, I'd love to pay my respects to. The US, my adopted home, South America. I would love to do this. A lot of people said, well, at this time in your life, as you know, we discussed before, I was hoping to retire at 69, which I felt was the entirely appropriate age for the singer of Whitesnake. <laughs> However, it was not to me, that COVID bastard thing. Uh, but the uh, I had a blast with the musicians. There's no question at all. Uh, Tanya, uh, who was so electrifying uh, as a performer, uh, it was just broken hearted. She felt like she'd found the perfect boyfriend in her band brothers. Uh, and suddenly it was taken away from her. So, yes, I would like to fulfill that rather than do a video going, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for 50 years. Or, you know, uh, it doesn't feel right for, a, for essentially a live performer. You know, if you remember, I've mostly made records in order to have new songs on stage. You know, that's always been the MO for me to create new music to to take out and perform as well as the classics, you know? So yes, I would like to, to do that. It's, but it's really, uh, at times, uh, it's going to be dictated by my health. Um, because economically it isn't necessary for me. I'm very fortunate, uh, but I love, love, love what I do, but we do have three to five years worth of projects to do, uh, to finish off this legacy series, you know, with some new stuff inserted in there. 
One last thing. One last thing about uh, performing, and before we talk about these projects, including the new issue of Good to Be Bad, I was just telling you before we started talking on air that you live in the uh, you live in the in in uh, Nevada, and I yeah. actually I've got a second home now in Las Vegas, and I'm there quite a bit. So I'm in the, I'm in the state, even though you're quite a bit away. But I'm wondering, David, we see so many of these artists who are doing these Vegas residencies now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being yeah. in proximity to Vegas, where you live, would you ever entertain the idea of maybe doing a White Snake residency? Well, that's the scenario. We've all uh, been approached a bunch of times. Uh, there was talk of us going into a, a residency uh, like two or three weeks, and then off to South America. This was uh, for 2020. Of course, that was the whole plan. So in between Asia, go in for a couple of weeks in, in, in Vegas and then off to somewhere else. And then it made sense. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Scorpions and I are really good friends for a, a thousand years. Uh, invited us to co-headline and to do that farewell tour, which was looking fantastic. We get on so well. No ego nonsense between either bands. So that was devastating to, you know, they found a secondary infection, which was the, the issue. I'd finished early, got home on the tw uh, July the 4th. I told my guy that six, I think it is the ENT, and he went, oh, my God, this is really bad. And he said, how long have we got before the U.S. tour? And I said, uh, it's six weeks now. Before it would have been three had we finished the European run. And he said, oh, we'll have you up and running, not a problem. And I wasn't getting any better. It was like really fatigue uh, and, and not feeling good at all, thick head, um, not booze related. <laughs> but I said, I went back in, Dr. Hudson, there's something wrong. I'm not feeling any better with all of this medley of horrible antibiotics. So he took a, a sample and we sent it off to the lab and they found a secondary infection. That's one of the reasons it took a lifetime. So all that a treatment I'd had prior to that was canceled out. It was just yeah. stomach turning uh, to imagine what I'd put my f body through with all of these chemicals to, uh, to find out. And that's when we had to pull the pull the plug on the US thing. But yeah, I'd love to do that. Uh, I, this, I'm not taking anything really off my fabulous Ukrainian oak desk. Um, it never breaks, by the way. It's very solid. The uh, um, Yeah, so uh, there's a thousand things I want to do. If I can accomplish them, I'm going to do them, you know? But sometimes it's God's hands, darling. Yeah, no, no doubt. So one of the things you've been doing a lot lately is really digging in on the White Snake catalog. There's been phenomenal yeah. box sets and reissues. You did the 87 record, you did slide it in. Yeah. And now you did a, a more recent record, which, you know, I really look at this record, David, as kind of like the official full step back for you getting into White Snake again. Um, and that yeah, yeah. is the, the Good to Be Bad record, which, speaking of time, blew my mind when I realized this thing is 15 years old already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, talk about the significance of this record to you with Whitesnake. Yeah. Um, the first record you made with Doug Aldridge. And, um, oh, yeah. Getting, Huge. Going and revisiting this record, you've done a, a phenomenal uh, box set here with all sorts of bells and whistles. So tell us about digging in on this one. Yes, and it's still... 
good to be bad. You it's know? still good to be it's bad, as it's no, titled. It's right. still, it, well, it was good to be bad 15 years ago, but it's still good to be better even now. Um, it was interesting. When I put the guys together, the synchronicity that you and I have discussed, it was the 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary, silver anniversary, EMI wanted to do a special box. Um, uh, Scorpions called, again, God bless the Scorps. Uh, this is like 2002, you know, to go out in 2003. So... I said to all the guys, oh, we're just going to do this tour. You know, that's all there is to it. My wife was more aware of how much I missed performing than I was. So I put together this amazing bunch of musicians. You know, Tommy Aldridge came back, Marco Mendoza, breathtaking, Red Beach, Timothy Drury, and of course, Sir Douglas Aldridge, who can write his own check with me. Uh, a super guy and a super musician and a super co-composer. Uh, and we're still very, very positive in terms regularly um but i'd said to all of them look i'm not sure i want to make another record i'm not sure i want to get back into the overtly corporate music business has always been corporate let's not kid ourselves but this was like all business people there were no former musicians as a and our guys or that's where i could always tune into record company executives because they were all players in some way shape or form uh and now they're all kind of graduated business school stuff you know it's there's not a lot of uh it, you know the stuff that i enjoy being working with record companies for so i said there's no plan for me to do anything i think we have a great catalog and everybody at the time my agents and said hey uh everybody's touring every year because record sales are in the the hole and i'm going well i'm apparently i'm still selling records uh but we tried for the first three years touring every year and I'm going, oh, my God, loving a stranger. I can't, I can't feel it like I used to because I, I used to tour every three years, if you remember. You know, that was it. And you never really heard from me. No internet or whatever. Occasionally, you'd see interviews and go, oh, you must have a new record coming out. But the... Um, but this three years, I went, I can't do this. This is, we need new material. And at the same time, a German company entered the picture. You know, it's that amazing universe going, well, okay, you're thinking about this. Here's a company called SPV. They're not corporate. They're a powerful independent company. And they've just offered you a watch of dough. You know, let's, and I said to Doug, let's see if we can create music as well as comfortably and effortlessly as we've become friends. And it was, you know, I got dug into meditating like 15 minutes before we started sitting down to write. And it was just, just flowed. And one of the guys I'm working with, one of the new hooligans at the Hook City was going, my God, these songs are incredible. You know, when we were digging into them and remixing. And when I was working with Dino, he said him and his friends, who's got a huge musical community. He said, we thought that was the best comeback album we've ever heard, which I thought was great but i never thought of it but obviously it sounded like a comeback record because i hadn't made anything at that time um since uh Coverdale page i think wasn't it i'm not sure yeah or maybe yeah. restless heart no restless no, heart not sure restless heart Coverdale page yeah, it had been a long time since there had been new white snake music and, oh my god yeah and and so tell me about um you know, in a way, uh, one of the reasons why I'm really glad that you've reissued this record and done this deluxe treatment to it is because I, I agree with you. It's a great record, but we know that that uh, maybe in some ways 
coming out on an independent label as it did originally and all of that, maybe yeah. this was a little lost in the picture. There was excitement There's that you no were question. back out doing stuff. Yeah. And I think putting this record under the microscope again is a good thing because it oh, proves yeah. to be very good. But also, but at the same token, yeah, sadly, uh, the, the independents in those days, they don't have the kind of imprint, certainly not in the U.S. Uh, most people were buying it on import, to, from what I was told. Um, you know, when you start working uh, the interwebs and have a, a presence on social media, you find out all kinds of stuff that normally you don't, what people like, what they don't particularly care for. So it's a, it's a very vital thing for me to be able to hear what's pleasing the people who support my music and what they like from us, you know. But the, uh, the circumstance then was this wasn't done on vinyl, this guy, in those mm -hmm. days. So we've got this very beautiful 180-gram uh, blue vinyl. Uh, which I've been assured by my vinyl pals sounds marvelous. So I'm thrilled with it. Since those days, we have a new uh, masterer in uh, Scott Hull at Master Disc in New York. He's just bringing a whole new vibrancy to the mixes. You know, but one of the things, the whole purpose of this legacy, this legacy series is really for me, uh, as I achieve my dotage, the, uh, the circumstance being I've been luckily involved in successful environments for 50 years this year. So a lot of, even though we use the top technology at the time, it pales into nowadays digital, what you're doing, the sound on radio. A lot of my old mixes sound like mud on quality radio. Uh, so it was an opportunity to get in there and go, right, I can afford it. But I have a record company that supports it. Let's do it. So, and that's the important thing. I've got this uh, superb catalog, superb uh, bunch of songs, uh, and they deserve the right treatment, you know, and they work beautifully. You know, I could never really put a White Snake playlist together. There was so much audio difference, so much sonic difference, uh, and it was just frustrating. So this is an opportunity to do, to do that, as well as put out new stuff too. I think also what's really cool with what you've done with all of these reissues lately, including Still Good to Be Bad, is that you put out uh, multiple versions of the record. So in the box mm. set, you can get the original mix of the record yes. remastered, but you remastered, did do yeah. a remix of the record too, which oh, yeah. fans, sometimes they're confused. Remixing and remastering, two very yeah, yeah, yeah. different processes. But for people who are purists and like, no, I want that original slide it in or 87, you still, it's you're not taking them. that out of yeah. print. You're giving it no. an alternate fresh coat of paint. And it's, yeah, and rearrange the furniture, not necessarily on Good To Be Bad. Uh, Timothy Drury, a former Snake, superb uh, keyboard player, singer. Uh, but a lot of stuff, I've gone to the incredible oasis, creative oasis of Derek Sherinian. Uh, oh, my God, are you kidding me? The, uh, the illegitimate son of John Lord, God bless him. He knows I call him <laughs> that. He is, as you know, just ex extraordinarily powerful, scorching musician. So there's one of the things after John had gone to replay uh, to return to Deep Purple, I thought, okay, now I'm just going to concentrate on the two guitar stuff. 
which is what we did. So it was basically just a side order of keyboards for like an intro here or, you know, um, here I go again or something like that. But I just focused more on, on guitars. And then I was sitting and reflecting and thinking, there's something different. What am I missing? What am I missing? And it was that incredible frequency that Hammond organ brings to the white snake identity. And, and I just got in touch with, uh, I think you may, I'm not sure if it was you or uh, whatever gave me Sturinian's number. We connected. Mm. We've never met in person and I'll send Still. him down. Oh God, are you kidding? No. Well, I live in the backwoods up here, Reno by sea, mate. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's just, uh, we get on terrifically well. He's a stunning player and he's brought remarkable, uh, uh Frosting, cherries, all kinds of decoration on top of, but really ballsy. And it fits into the slide it in. And it, no, no, we're not sliding in. Excuse me, we have John. But the 87 stuff you won't have heard yet, and the slip of the tongue stuff, it's entirely a whole new world uh, with, uh, with utilizing Derek. He's amazing. Yeah, no, I know Derek very well. He's very talented. He's he's, uh, oh, he's gosh, awesome. Yeah. What he does, you know. The other, the last thing on the uh, "Still Good to Be Bad" box set, I got to tell you, I was completely floored by this. So I'm looking at the back of the box, and I'm running down all the different features, and you've got remixes, and the original record, and the remix of the record, and the remaster of the record, and you've got yeah. some demos and all these things, and then you get to the Blu-ray video disc. And then yeah. one of the features on the Blu-ray video disc is the Eddie Trunk interview at the Cutting Room in New York in 2008 yeah, with acoustic yes. I forgot we did that. It's a very popular scenario. It really is. Uh, and of course, sitting down with Doug, uh, we did, what, half an hour or something there? And you were there with your, some of your, uh, that metal show cohorts that I first, I first met that. Well, we were just Irishman. starting the show then. Yeah, they were hanging yeah, out with yeah. me. I don't think we even aired yet, but I, yeah. I completely forgot that we did that. And now I've not watched it yet, but I can't wait to watch it because I remember us being there. I remember you and Doug, yeah. I think you kind of played acoustic, right? Yeah, that was it, all unplugged. Yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, we were hanging. It was really good. Uh, Doug and I just came in and uh, and sang these songs. We've got one featured on uh, on my Twitter thing now, my social media, of all I want, all I need. Uh, and it was just such a treat to work with Doug like that because, you know, I started the Starkers thing back in uh, Adrian Vandenberg days, you know. Sure. But, yeah, the, the, one of the most popular things on these re, uh, remaster sets, these box sets we're doing with people, uh, uh, hearing the demos, the basic idea of normal acoustic guitar, just jamming or whatever. Uh, 87 started that. We call them the evolutions with John Sykes and I. Uh, and the, so people are hearing songs that they're entirely familiar with now when there were a working title or no, you know, work in progress. And it's proved to be an incredibly popular aspect. Also on this, on the alternate mixes on here, we have the Hook City Harlots who are three amazing singers, beautiful girl singers in Reno. Um, and they just brought, as I've said to you for years, a lot of the a huge school of inspiration for me is Motown in the 60s. You know, and if you take the big drums and power guitars away from some of my songs, you'll, and just 
I had the Motown guys on. They sound like Motown songs. So I brought these girls in and they just wailed on some of these songs and just brought that R&B aspect to it, you know, uh, which was great. And then on one song, a tribute to Stevie Wonder called If You Want Me, we brought in the Hook City Horns. So, I mean, there's these that little, why not? It, it puts a smile on my face. So we're just adding to it. I can't wait for Doug actually to hear this. He's loving the remixes he's heard on the videos. Yeah, no, that's it's it's awesome. So you mentioned other stuff coming down the pike, and yeah. last time we spoke, we talked about the Coverdale Page record, and you oh. said you got the rights back, and you were hoping to reissue uh. it, maybe remix it. What happened? Is it still in the works? I think it's uh, no, it's called COVID. Um, you know, I, I'm very lucky that my studio is seven minutes from my home. So I didn't have to, you know, during lockdown, I could just drive straight from my garage, straight to the studio. Uh, we had an incredible aggressive lockdown. Nobody else was in. Uh, you know, we couldn't do anything new other than send out um, uh, stuff to Derek Sherinian and stuff like that. So there was no in-person thing, sadly. But at that time, Jimmy wasn't in a facility where he could, he used to have a studio at home. He doesn't have that now. And there's no way he was going to go to the studio. And by the time things were coming out, I was ready to go out on tour. I, I, I had no time. So I said, please take the reins. You know, I'd love to hear uh, a remix I just, I don't have time. I just don't, there's not enough hours in the day for me to do this. I've got all of these other things. It just got backed up uh, and heartbreakingly, we haven't done anything. I was listening the other day in the car, I'm driving, I went, oh my God, I could almost weep. There's a song called Saccharin that was one of the, should have been on the record. For some reason, Kolovna didn't want it on there. But uh, I heard this thing and I'm going, oh God, this has to be mixed because this was just a, a monitor mix, you know, when we finished uh, in LA, in, forgive me, Miami in Criteria. But I miss him desperately. I'd love him to take the reins on it. Uh, you know, I've got a full dance card. Well, he should when you consider that with the Zeppelin catalog, he is he has worked that to the to the hilt. I mean, yeah. there's been well, multiple versions. Be, yeah. Yeah. I thought this would be a great thing for him to to get his teeth into. I'd love to. I think it's an amazing record. My suggestion to Jimmy, and I think we must have discussed it, was, you know, you know the fans would love a Jimmy Page mix. And one David Coverdale mix, Vum. You know, we have so many assets from bootleg videos in Japan and, and uh, the rehearsal stuff and Jimmy's and my demos on a 50 buck uh, single button record cassette player from Radio Shack, you know, when we were the original primitives. But yeah, it breaks my heart because it's the 30th anniversary and I was giving it so much lip service and just boom, COVID, you know. Mm, but it sounds like Jimmy hasn't been overly interested in doing it. Hopefully he gets well, some I hope so. to, to you know, dig in on yeah. it a little bit. Um, what else do you much. have? What else do you have coming down the pike, David? Are you going to get to, for instance, forevermore and do the treatment at some point? Oh, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. That All of those plans all moving forward. I've got something very special for later this year. Most obviously now we're talking about this puppy. Um, but we got some stuff that you and I will be talking again. Uh, I've got to keep some surprises up my sleeve, you know, Fair not enough. just a playboy. You 
man. <laughs> so, so in 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 wrapping up the uh, yeah. more reissues coming. Um, you sound well. You sound like you're you're recovering. Although it's, you said you're still dealing with some stuff, and maybe well, I have maybe two, two of the guys who somewhere. My, 